Welcome to the Breakthrough Public Speaking Podcast, where you can learn how to break through your fear and become a confident speaker for both online and offline platforms. I'm your host, Serena Mann, and I'll be bringing you interviews from a range of people who share their stories, tips, and techniques, as well as the deeper insights behind what it really takes to move beyond fear, find your voice, and become a confident speaker. You're now going to hear from Tom Crate, who's an award-winning motion designer and director with more than 20 years experience of designing, animating, filming, and editing. He's also a teacher, coach, speaker, and blogger. Tom has recently launched a podcast called The Creative Weirdo, which explores what's on the other side of normal, with interviews about where and how people find their creative juices. In this episode, Tom will share his experiences of going from a shy teenager playing computer games to an award-winning motion designer delivering talks at international events. So hi, Tom. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today. I can't wait to hear more about your story. So something that really strikes me is that you started off as a really shy, inverted young person, and then you kind of evolved into this very confident person, a person running your own business and speaking at international events. What was it that hit you initially where you felt, I need to do something about my confidence? Because there are a lot of people who, who don't step out of their comfort zone. So what was it in you that you felt, I need to change? Um, well, to be honest, like, I, I don't, I have to say, like, I don't really feel confident. Like, I still don't really feel like a confident person, even though I've been told, you know, given talks and stuff and people say, oh, you don't look nervous. Like you, you seem really confident, but all the time I'm always like, you know, feeling like yeah. an imposter, feeling terrified, like any moment I'm going to like screw it all up and I'm going to go and run and hide. Um, even now, like I'm just reflecting on, you know, like we started a conversation as soon as you said, we're going to record now, I could start to feel these like, you know, nervous sensations and mm -hmm. all that. And it's, it's the same thing that I've always felt, I think, but I guess I've just learned to, um, in some ways to, to kind of live with it and allow it rather than fight it. And I think that's probably the biggest shift that's allowed me to do the things that I maybe couldn't do when I was younger. Um, but as far as what, like what motivated it, like, why did I, what, what sort of led me to, to challenging myself and stuff like that? I think I always wanted to be confident. Like I always felt like it was the, it was kind of the source of, 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 most of my sort of angst as a, as a young person, especially as a teenager, you know, I didn't feel confident and I felt like, you know, for one, I felt like I was, I always had this sort of self image or the self talk that I was like the least confident person, you know, so it's like singling myself out and, and sort of, you know, telling myself that I wasn't good enough in that way. And then also I think the frustration of just, you know, not being able to connect with people. Like, I, I mean, obviously I had like close friends and stuff, but, um, you know, it was difficult for me to, to sort of, yeah, you know, it, difficult for me to make friends. And as I got older, you know, it was it, very difficult to talk to girls when I got to that age, you know, mm -hmm. that can be, that was extremely frustrating to me that like, there was all these girls that I would just love to talk to and I just felt completely <laughs> incapable. Um, and, and I think that whole thing extends to, you know, just seeing people out in the world, people on TV or, you know, people presenting and, and there's just something I always just admired people like that that could sort of stand up. Mm. And I also, 
and I, and I guess at some stage in my life when I was younger, I probably, you know, felt kind of sad about the fact that I, it wasn't me. Sure. And also the feeling that it, you know, like that it was somehow hardwired into me that that was just my lot in life, you know, cause I, because I, because I'm like this, then I, and those people are like that because they were kind of born that way or some, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, That's and I guess I just gradually over time, just like started to like un, unpick that belief, like just through kind of proving it to myself. I started to realize that, you know what, that's not, it's not true at all. Like, it's just, it's just a story. And, and so with every kind of like little mini breakthrough, I suppose it starts to like crack that illusion a little bit. Um, so it's been a very, you know, it's been like a very, you know, slow process. And like I say, like, I still don't feel, I don't feel anywhere near com- as confident as I would like to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm sort of like halfway through my life. So maybe when I get to like 80, I'll be like, <laughs> you know, completely free of any self-consciousness whatsoever. Um, but um, that's interesting, isn't it? Because I think lots of people actually do think that you start off, maybe you, it's meant to be that you, you just become confident, like you just turn on the switch and all of a sudden you're confident. But mm-hmm. so many speakers that I've met say that just what you're saying that basically you still feel anxious and worried but just that you just accept those uncomfortable feelings much more would you say that's it that basically it's just a process of just accepting that you're going to feel nervous but doing it anyway definitely uh, definitely a big part of it um i mean also having said that i think there's a sort of there is a, a bit of a, a sort of a boundary i think you have to cross because there's there's I think for, you know, all of us are confident in different areas. So like, you know, may not be confident in terms of speaking, but there's always something that we're confident at, right? And there's things that we're not confident at in situations where we don't feel confident. And, and the key, I think, to like sort of growing those boundaries is generally just doing it, like pushing up to, to what's the limit of what's comfortable, but not too far. Because if you, if you push too far, that, you know, if you try just like going to the gym and trying to lift the heaviest weight in the gym, you know, you're just going to hurt yourself. If you try, you have to sort of build up to it. Absolutely. So I feel there's just, there's a certain level of kind of like, there's a sort of balance between, yeah, you have, you have a sort of desire, which kind of builds courage, I think. And then you have the fear. And if that balance is too far out, then you, you're probably, you know, as I experienced a lot when I was younger, was, I felt like anytime I tried to do any kind of, uh, you know, public speaking or any anything like that it would just always end in 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 failure and and misery Mm. you know but I sort of got to this point where I guess the desire and then the courage started to to push me to like just just push the limits a little bit and and then you know so you're kind of like pushing that boundary gradually um as opposed to like just sort of you know switching it on that's how that's how it's been for me anyway I would say Mm. What about those times when you did, so that's a very delicate balance, I assume, the, the process of pushing yourself, but just not too much. And you said mm-hmm. you had some failures when you started to do the public speaking. How do you deal with those setbacks? So you've realized, okay, I've gone too far. That was a, a bit too much for me to take on board. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with those setbacks? How do you encourage yourself to keep trying? Mm. Um, well, I, you know, I think that's something that I've, this also kind of learned, like, I guess it's a skill in a way that I've learned to, uh, and I'm still learning the skill of 
sort of being kind to myself, you know, mm-hmm. like not buying into the negative self-talk, which I think is, is the biggest, it was always the biggest factor for me that held me back was it wasn't so much the, you know, the, the failure in the moment, it was the, the reliving it afterwards and sort of telling myself that that was the worst thing that, you know, that, that ever happened mm-hmm. when, you know, that was just a perspective. It was kind of like my mind would build things out of all proportion. And I think that's what we do when we, you know, when it comes to like speaking in public, the mind equates it with life and death situation, you know, and, it, and it'll bring up all these excuses and reasons why, you know, you absolutely should not do this. So it, it really distorts everything. Absolutely. Um, so I think, you know, just learning to kind of, kind of either just not buy into that, that sort of voice, knowing that it's going to come up, but just not buying into it. And then maybe counter it by saying, you know, just by consciously thinking about, you know what, it's not a big deal. Um, there's much more important things in life, you know, um, and, and not, not sort of choosing not to judge myself based on that too, because I think that's another factor is like, how you, um, you know, what are the criteria with which if you're going to judge yourself, I mean, judging yourself, judging anybody or anything is generally a, I would say a bad idea, but if Mm. you, if you, I think we all do it to a certain extent and being aware of what, what are the criteria? I think that's something I realized is like, I was judging myself a lot of the time based on purely on how like my, so my worth as a person is based on how I come across to other people. And so when I started thinking about it, it's like, that doesn't make any sense. Like no. what, what kind of, if, if I'm trying to, you know, like if I'm going to look back on my life and say, was it a success or a failure? Is it really the most important thing? How, what other people think about me? Or, you know, if I look stupid at this one time. Um, so yeah, like just sort of questioning those, um, that, that those beliefs and that self-talk. Um, that's a huge thing, isn't it? That, that it's, it's just such a difficult thing that as human beings, we find to not buy into that, that negative self-talk. And mm-hmm. so did you, do you find that what you said you started to question, question those thoughts? Was that the first uh, step basically to unraveling them and, and, and to not believe them that just questioning, is that really true? I feel like there's, there's kind of, um, a bunch of factors, I suppose, that go into it. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say there's like one specific thing. I mean, if I was, if, I think if I was to like identify the one biggest instigating factor in me go, going from, in terms of public speaking, like going from somebody who, who was terrified of it to someone who, who could do it, mm-hmm. um, it was making commitment. There was a point where I just decided that like I had an opportunity and I had a choice to either just like hide away from it and kind of, feel crap because I, you know, I was just giving into my fear or I could take it. And, and I felt at that time, it was like, this is, you know, this is kind of now or never. Like I really, and I always wanted to do this. So I'm going to sort of pull the trigger and say yes to it. And once I'd committed, it kind of set in motion a, a bunch of other things. Although I've been working on, you know, on my sort of my, my self-talk and, and, and sort of getting to understand my mind better up to that point, I think there was still like a, a sort of a more uh, sort of it's not it's not quite a physical barrier but it almost feels that way in some ways so so like making a really conscious decision and making commitment and that led me to things like joining toastmasters and joint starting to do some um uh, improv classes and all this stuff 
at that point it was easy because once I'd committed in my head, right, I'm going to do this, like, oh, oh crap, I have to actually do this. I need to figure out how to do it now, you know? So there was no, there was no weaseling out of it. Like I'd, I'd committed to people. So then once I'd made that like commitment, then I had this, all this extra drive and this energy that was like, okay, so if I go into Toastmasters and I, and I, and I make a fool of myself on the first day, you know, at least I'm, it's, it's not like the, the big failure would be not doing the talk. Right. Mm -hmm. So it kind of like puts things into perspective, I suppose. Absolutely. And what was that like going on to Toastmasters? I mean, was, was it going into a a scary place and then, you know, making a fool of yourself or or was it different? (laughs) Did you have a good experience with that? It sounds like you did. I did. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed it. Like, you know, I think um, like, as you know, it's like every Toastmasters meeting I've been to is it's a very welcoming place. Like that's kind of a big kind of part of the, they, you know, it's, it's, they put a lot of emphasis on community and, and encouraging people, you know, newcomers and making people feel comfortable and sort of easing people in. So, you know, I didn't do anything. I didn't, I think I went maybe three or four times and, didn't talk and I, and I kind of was trying to G myself up to do the the table topics which mm-hmm. is like the one minute uh you know for open to all yeah uh, and I you know I went over there like a few times I was like you know like just kind of like uh just hiding away and I finally did it the first the first time I did it I felt it went really badly um but you know it was kind of like I, I guess just the way the way it's framed there and everything it like helps to you know I, I still had a lot of this negative self-talk afterwards and stuff like that. But in a way it was also, I think it's it, about that, you know, that sort of uh, that level of difficulty, right. It wasn't, it wasn't like, it would have been different if it was like, you know, a room full of a hundred people or like, you know, family and friends and stuff like that. It was a room of a, maybe like 15 people who all really wanted me to succeed and didn't care if I failed. So mm-hmm. that, even the, all, you know, I, I recognized that all of the negativity was purely coming from me and it actually gave me a chance to, to, to sort of work with it, I guess, and, and build up that awareness of what actually happens in, you know, and I think that's, that was the, the great thing about having that opportunity to sort of practice more sort of um, systematically, I suppose you can kind of mm-hmm. start to, it starts to lose some of this like mystique and aura and just become another skill. Mm-hmm. And you can start and then, and then especially when you hear other people talk about like, oh yeah, I, oh, you have, you have negative self-talk too. Like, it's not just me. Like, oh, you feel nervous as well. Like you feel like you're not saying anything interesting, all of these things it's like, oh, funny, maybe it's not just me, you know? And, and then all of that helps, I think, you know, like sharing. And I guess in a way it's like a sort of, uh, it's, it's kind of a, um, you call it like a beneficial cycle, mm-hmm. you know, the more you, the more you, get comfortable the more you can actually open up and share your feelings with people and the more other people will reciprocate and the more you understand that actually there's you're not as different as you thought you were in fact we're mm-hmm. all exactly the same you know and I think that's a big a, a big kind of epiphany for me I think at some yeah. point I'm not sure exactly when it happened but you know like oh I'm exactly the same as everybody else like mm-hmm. everybody else has the same the same emotions the same feelings the same you know, uh, like thought processes, all of that stuff. It's just that some people have practiced in certain things and mm-hmm. learn to, you know, to deal with them in different ways. And that's it. That sounds like a huge revelation almost in a way. 
And just that process that you described is incredible, isn't it? Seeing that, well, firstly, that it was, even though your first speech you felt didn't go that well, your impromptu, mm. that that was okay. That, you know, yeah. the world didn't end. <laughs> mm. It was okay. And that you can continue on that journey. Mm-hmm. I think that's really, really interesting because so often we think something terrible would happen if we spoke in front, in front of people and mm-hmm. we didn't get it right. Yeah. I think that's incredible. So is that that part of what also gave you that confidence, the fact that that first speech didn't go okay, but actually that's fine? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's still, I can still tap into those feelings of like, you know, things like, oh, that went badly, you know, and it's still, and, and it, it still comes up for me. Like even I, I don't, I'm not like a regular uh, attendee of, of Toastmasters these days as sort of my, my life circumstances have shifted a little bit, but I, every time I do something like that, it's still all the same feelings kind of come up. Um, and sometimes it goes better than others, but it's just, uh, I, I think the more, it's like the more times you've done it in the past, it, it also helps the, the mind to like understand, Oh, you know what? It's actually okay because this has happened before and I didn't die. So yes. the more times you do that, the more you can, you can still have all of those feelings, like kind of panic feelings. And, 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 you know, I think there's, there's a lot of famous stories about, you know, like really famous actors and successful people who still were like, you know, throwing up before performance and all that stuff. So it's like, it doesn't necessarily go away, but you kind of, you just learn to sort of, to deal with it. And in some ways it can be, I think you can, you can almost like enjoy it too. Like I definitely find, you know, so in some cases, like I've started teaching like online uh, lectures and stuff like that live which is not quite the same as being in a room with people but there's still a, an element of nerves there with the live Definitely. thing and the more I do it the more I kind of get a buzz out of it it's just like because you can't really get that energy anywhere else once mm-hmm. you start to realize that this energy is actually there you know to tap into you can actually rather than turning it in on yourself and sort of like crushing yourself you can actually like kind of reflect it outwards and that actually gives you like a bunch of energy and, and can make you more engaging and all of those things. And that's, that's something absolutely. else that I've I found really interesting is that I can practice a speech at home and feel like that, that's not, that feels a little bit, you know, boring. Mm-hmm. And then when I do it on stage, it feels like it, it comes out like 10 times better just because Definitely. there's like this extra, kind of just a heightened energy and, and sort of focus that comes from all of that nervous tension. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. So your anxiety has changed from sort of a crippling type of anxiety to an anxiety that gives you um, a healthy kind of adrenaline and excitement and energy. Mm. Yeah. Which is an amazing journey in itself. There was one, there was one thing I heard, I can't remember who said it. Um, It was about um, like the difference between fear and excitement. And, and the only difference is the breath because Mm. when you're afraid, you're just like, you're just breathing really shallow or you're just not breathing at all. And when you're excited, you're, you're sort of breathing deep. So, if, so I always try to remember that whenever I'm feeling that sort of fear or anxiety, just like start breathing deep. And it's, and it's very close. Like the, the feeling is very, very similar and there's kind of a crossover there. So if you can kind of like, I can just sort of just by using the breath, I've noticed that's a very, like a really powerful tool to sort of swing the balance towards like the, the sort of fun side of things. Nice. That's a fantastic tip. What other tips might you give to someone who's thinking about, you know, um, challenging themselves and mm-hmm. speaking in front of people, but they've never done it before. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned about the breath. What else might you say? I mean, I know that this probably would come across like a bit of a, like a, 
commercial for Toastmasters. Like I don't have any affiliation with them or anything, but, but I do think if, if for anybody that wants that's serious about, or, you know, just, just wants to, to get better at public speaking, it's the best thing that I've come across and because it's designed, it's designed exactly for that purpose. And it, and it's, it's exactly that, that conception I think that holds people back that it's just an inborn trait, you know, public speaking, obviously some people are naturally, you know, more relaxed at it than others, but you can learn it. It's just like any other skill. So you have to kind of get rid of this mystique around it. Like that there's something, you know, in innate that makes you better or worse at it and just treat it like, you know, learning to ride a bike or, um, you know, learning to, 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 to write or learn a language or anything like that. It's just, it's just a, you know, a, a process of getting more comfortable in a situation. Um, so, yeah. And so I think that's, it's probably the best place to, to start that I would say, like, I think like improv also has been a real big help to me. Um, although that's a little, it's not so much, for me about sort of performing in front of people, but it's about being spontaneous and being kind of natural and, mm-hmm. and just being comfortable, I guess, kind of having fun. It kind of helps to take you away from feeling self-conscious and just be like, Oh, I can just be myself and be natural. And it, and, and, and guess what? Like people like me more when I'm that way or you know, it's more entertaining. So it's kind mm-hmm. of getting to understand that too. But I think that, I mean, probably the thing that, that I, that I mentioned the thing that sort of got me there that I probably wouldn't have, cause I'd looked at Toastmasters in the past and sort of waited up and not done it. Uh, so the thing that really got me into it was the fact that I had committed to, to giving a talk. So I think that, I think that that commitment is probably the most important thing. And that can be tricky, you know, like for me, it was just like, I guess this opportunity just kind of landed in my lap, but I think there's opportunities out there for any, you know, for anybody, um, you know, we all have our own like interests and, and specialist skills and interests and stuff like that. And there's always stuff to, to share, um, you know, that people want to want to hear about. So there's, um, you know, I think no matter what you do, there's always opportunities to like to speak somewhere in some form. Um, so, so like having some kind of commitment is if, if you're struggling with, you know, if, if joining Toastmasters by itself feels too difficult then sometimes you need to kind of give it that push, but otherwise I would say, yeah, like just, you know, join Toastmasters or even just maybe just start reading about it, like kind of get your head into it. Maybe start, I guess there's probably online forums about, you know, where you can just listen to other people's stories about how they started public speaking and that kind of thing. Um, just to start to just dispel some of those initial fears and initial myths. Yeah. Just start, I guess, just like gradually get comfortable with the idea of doing it. Yeah. Nice. There's something I wanted to ask you about. So in your story, you mentioned that, so you felt you went on this journey of developing your confidence. You started speaking at, at different places and you know, running your own business, but then you had a burnout. And I think that's a really interesting topic because we can get all this, we can feel confident, we can achieve these goals, but then we find we're not that happy. We're not taking care of ourselves. So it seems to me that there's a process that it's not only about the, oh, I, I tick that box. I can speak in front of others. Great. There's something else. And it seems like you found that something else because you have that experience. Can you tell us a bit about that? Mm-hmm, for sure. I mean, I should say that actually the, the whole public speaking thing has all happened fairly recently. So that actually happened after I had burnout. 
And it was partly to do with, I think, the sort of change of perspective that I got from, from the burnout. Um, so, I mean, like kind of long story short, like the, the, when I, when I look back at it now, I think the main, the main cause of um, the burnout, I mean, you can kind of look at the sort of more circumstantial factors, you know, that I was working, working all hours and, and not sleeping very much and, and just sort of generally feeling very sort of building up in anxiety around work but i think the essential sort of core reason for that was it was a lack of self-worth like a lack of feeling intrinsically you know that feeling of not i'm not good enough so i have to prove it somehow and and for me my work had become this like uh sort of way of proving myself you know that if i could be like brilliant at this thing then everybody would would appreciate it and they'd appreciate me you know and and um, in hindsight, obviously that's like a very, um, it's kind of a hiding to nothing, right? Cause you can never get enough appreciation from, you know, you can have all the appreciation in the world. It doesn't necessarily mean you feel it inside. Yeah. It was just, this, it was like a, a process of, I guess I was being very hard on myself because it was kind of like, you know, you have to, you have to be a success. You have to be good at this. Yeah. So I guess the wheels fell off at some point, went through a, a fairly, well, I, I mean, I guess, you know, burnout is different for everybody. Like for me, it was, it sort of manifested in about six months or so of, of being pretty, pretty ill and kind of sort of just out of it really. Obviously did a lot of reflection on what I was doing with my life and, you know, what happens if, you know, if it all, if it all ends now, like would I do anything differently and all these kind of things. And, and I think it kind of brought into focus that I, I wasn't really fulfilling my potential in many ways, you know, I was kind of channeling everything into this work, you know, which is great, but it was like, I wasn't leaving much room for anything else, let alone like actually sort of feeling good in myself. You know, I was chasing, I was chasing that feeling in, in the work. Uh, and, and at some point something switched when I realized that, wow, I can actually generate these feelings. They're actually coming from me. They're not coming from anywhere else. Um, so I think that was kind of almost like a sort of, a bit of a, a paradigm shift, I suppose. And, and I think that led to me being like, well, um, you know, if that thing that I believed wasn't true, like what else is not true um, mm-hmm. that I've been believing. So, you know, and that sort of got me thinking about the things like public speaking and, and just the things like, you know, what kind of person do I want to be? Like, do I want to, do I want to die without having tr- even tried these things? Um, so it, so it kind of put a bit of a, you know, I, I guess I had like renewed, like, vigor for life i think after that you know because it was like i've got to try these things like I, I i can feel the yearning inside me like i've got to try it and and realizing that you know i think i think maybe it gave me also a little bit of a, a a bit less um maybe it diminished some of the fear a little bit because having gone through an experience that was very scary it kind of like well what's the worst that could happen you know <laughs> yeah. i'm not gonna die so uh, i think that also put things in perspective a mm-hmm. little bit uh, I think that's a really interesting point and it's good to just be aware of other people's experiences because I'm sure there are so many people out there who've had similar burnout is becoming more and more common. Mm-hmm. Something that you also talk about is self-compassion, for instance. Mm-hmm. So if you were to, to give some advice to anyone who's interested in improving themselves, challenging themselves, what advice would you give to also have compassion for themselves? What does that mm-hmm. really mean? And, and, and 
and what can people do to, to take care of themselves as well as achieve their goals, like pushing themselves beyond mm-hmm. their comfort zone in public speaking. Because I think that the two seem to go together. And that's what you seem to be saying as well, that you need yeah. this self-compassion. So what does that mean and how can people do that? I think the first step for me was making this sort of realization that the things that I was kind of chasing weren't actually going to make me happy. Like there, there was no sort of the mind likes to think in terms of like sort of fixed ideas. Like there's some kind of promised land where mm-hmm. you get to this point and everything's going to be perfect and you can rest. And, yeah. and I think just, I guess just examining the thoughts around, you know, like what, why am I, what, what's motivating me here? Like, and what am I afraid of? And, and, and what do I really want as opposed and, and not thinking in terms of like, because often the first thing that comes up is, oh, you know, I want, I want this job and, and this income or, you know, whatever it is. But it's like, there's always a feeling underneath that, right? It's like the, you want the thing because of the feeling it's going to give you. You don't actually want the thing. So when you start to identify the feelings instead, then I think it becomes easier to like, to, to put things in perspective. And, and then I think that's kind of tied in with this. Um, I've, at least in my experience, you know, the reason why I would be very hard on myself was because part of me thought that was, I had, you know, I had to sort of beat myself in order to get to the goal. So it was kind of like this sort of vicious cycle of, you know, I need to get to this goal to be happy. And in order to get to that goal, I have to make myself really unhappy, you know, to motivate myself to get there and you never get there. So you're just in this constant cycle of, you know, just beating yourself and not getting there. So, um, you know, yeah, just being aware of that and just being like, you know, what would it take for me to feel good right now without doing anything? Just exploring that, I suppose. And Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of the beginning to it. Yeah. And, 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 you know, just asking, like, does it really help me? You know, like when I think the, the, the sort of the obvious kind of uh, objection that comes up when you say, well, you know, you should stop beating yourself up or be kinder to yourself. It's like, well, if I stop beating myself up, then I won't achieve anything. You know, I'll just be lazy uh, and just explore it. I think like check for your, from your own experience, like just try what's it like if you spend, you know, just, just for a day, you just kind of lay off for a little bit and see like what happens. I, are you going to, are you, does it make you lazy? Maybe it does. And in my case, it didn't, it was like, Oh wow. You know what? I can actually do all these things better when I'm not spending half the time in my head, like telling myself how much I suck at it, you know? (laughs) Um, So yeah, that's, I mean, there's, and there's, there's a lot of practices, you know, I I kind of, I kind of went in at the deep end, um, I guess partly because of my situation. And I, you know, I, I tried a lot of different things like, uh, talking to myself in the mirror, like saying, like just, just looking myself in the eyes and saying, I love you to myself, which sounds really like cringy. And, and, but, but at that point I didn't really care, you know, it's like, um, you know, screw it. I'll try anything if mm-hmm. it's going to make me, make me better. Um, and I think it's a case of, you know, finding what works for you as well. Like maybe sometimes that, that could be a big leap for some people. So maybe just even just looking at yourself, in the mirror, I think, and just being aware of what comes up and if there's any judgment or anything, just kind of being with it and, and just being aware of it and just seeing if it's like, you know, is that true? Like, is, could there be another truth there? You know, maybe I'm okay. Like maybe the way I look is fine. You know, 
Um, mm -hmm. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm actually not such a bad person, you know, all these things. Like I, I think there's kind of a thought process. And, and if you've been in that thought process for your whole life, you know, it can take, sometimes it can take a little while to shift, I think. So, so it's, um, yeah, I, I guess it's a lot, a lot has to do with, with just being aware and, and sort of questioning those thoughts. Um, there was a book that I read that kind of started me on that journey, which is a, which I recommend to anyone because it's quite short and easy read. It's called love yourself. Like your life depends on it. Um, Thank you. And uh, yeah, it's by a guy who sort of, uh, he, you know, he's like a successful Silicon Valley entrepreneur and then he lost everything overnight and was wow. became suicidal and then made a decision to himself. Like, you know what, screw it. Like got nothing to lose. I'm going to just going to try loving myself, you know, whatever that means. Um, and I thought that was, you know, that's quite inspiring. There's, I think there's a lot of other books on the subject, mm. uh, but it's, you know, it's not too, it's not too like fluffy or mm -hmm. uh, airy fairy. It's pretty like straightforward. Uh, so, I, you know, I think that's a, it's kind of a good, I recommend that to a lot of people. Fantastic. That sounds really, really important. And what a journey you've had. And it's so wonderful just to be able to get an insight into what that's like to have a burnout and, and what you need to do and what you, what you can do to get yourself out of that. It's um, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. If there's it's something. Yeah. I like, I mean, it's still, I guess I have a lot of, I have a lot of passion about it because mm -hmm. in a way it, I feel like part of the reason that it happened was because I was actually constricting myself. And I think it was actually a necessary process for me to sort of unlock a lot of this feeling uh, and expression that I sort of locked down for my whole life. And, and so in a way it was sort of, it, it feels a bit like a, a sort of an opening, you know, so, it, so I kind of draw a lot of, although it wasn't fun, you know, for a lot of it, but I, I kind of draw a lot of energy still from that, that experience. Mm -hmm. um, and I know it's something that's pretty common for, you know, more and more common. Mm -hmm. so yeah I think it's um I think it's it's important to like talk about it and, and share my experiences absolutely definitely and thank you so much for that bringing our our discussion to an end I wonder if there was any one nugget or or even it can be more than one as well that you'd like someone to take away from this conversation what mm. would it be you talked about so much there's so many gems that we can take away but if you were to summarize it what would that be I've probably hammered the point home that I think, you know, the most important thing is, is like this self, self-compassion, self-love, self-care, whatever you want to call it. I think maybe the, you know, the difficulty with talking about that is often it, it's, it's kind of a bit loose and abstract and it's like, what does it mean, really mean? So I gave a, like, this is actually the talk that I gave, the kind of breakthrough talk that I gave and I gave a, a sort of similar version of it a few months later as well it all kind of builds up to the point where I tell everybody in the audience, you're awesome. And I kind of like pause nice. on it, you know, like an uncomfortable pause because I want everybody to take it in. Not like, Oh yeah, thanks. You know, I want to look people in the eye. So I want to like look everybody in the eye and say like, you are awesome. And I, and I, if maybe you don't even agree and, and I've never met you, but I know that in my heart because I know that, every human being is just like a wonder, like an incredible thing. So if you're not aware of it now, like just try to just like, see if you can like let it in a little bit and just, you know, if, if you feel, you feel like you're not good enough in whatever respect, whatever way, like just open up to that possibility, like 
what if I'm actually okay? Maybe I'm more than okay. I think, I think you're much more than okay, but I think that's a big step is just to sort of be, just get in, just try to just be with that feeling of like, what, what would it be like if, if I was okay as I am and I don't have to do anything to prove it. I don't have to prove anything to anybody. I'm just okay. I'm good enough right now. You know, it's a baseline. Anything else is a bonus. Um, nice. Maybe that's not, it's not necessarily a succinct nugget, but. Oh no, that um, is, that's brilliant. That's, that's incredibly point. powerful. Yep, definitely. I think that's really, really helpful. Thank you. Cool. Now, if someone wants to know more about you or listen to some of the things you've got to say, where can they find you? Where is the best place to find out more about you and what you have to say? It's a good question because right now I'm sort of in the process of building a few things. I, I have a website, which is currently only for my professional like motion design work. Uh, and I also have an Instagram. I think the best thing for people that want to uh, kind of stay in touch would be to, to follow me on Instagram, Tom Crate. And I guess I'll be posting updates. I'm actually planning to release like pretty soon an ebook, uh, which is adapted from that, that talk that I gave Brilliant. actually. But, uh, I'm also, yeah. So, and I'm also branching out into, I'm going to planning to start doing some, some YouTube videos and a podcast as well. So there's a lot of stuff that's brewing. There's nothing that's quite there just yet. Uh, but follow me on, on Instagram. You can also send me an email if you'd like to be added to a mailing list. Uh, I'm also need to set up like one of those sign up pages, but you can email me at, uh, contact at tomcrate.me. If you would, yeah, if you really want to hear about upcoming videos or podcasts or anything like that. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Tom. It's been absolutely brilliant chatting to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. (laughs) Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. But most importantly, I hope you gained a huge amount of value from it so that you can implement these tips into your own life and start to see results. If you'd like to learn more, then check out my website, breakthroughpublicspeaking.com.